You violated the law. It's the full preview podcast, UFC 281. What's up, guys? Fenyo from the Pfizer here. It's another preview podcast, the full preview. It's UFC 281, pretty big pay-per-view. My co-host Dan Albert couldn't make it this week. Um, he's very busy with work. We're wishing him the best. So I'm doing this solo. Uh, a lot of fights had to do a lot of research, so we're kind of late on the week. Hopefully, you guys have time to listen to it. But yeah, I mean, let's get into it. Uh, the first fight of the night, and as a reminder, we're going as tradition. Topology.com, bottom to top, okay? First fight is Carlos Ulberg versus Nicolet Negomeriano. Uh, this is like heavyweight. So, yeah. Ulberg, uh, he's like a, he's a city kickboxing guy. He fights out of a long blade stance. Uh, he faints a lot. And he, he looks to like set up like pot chops, pot shots based off the reactions of the feints. That's a pretty good long jab. Uh, he fights like with extended lead hand, so he can surprise people with the with the jab from there. Uh, he's decent cutting the cage uh, with strikes. I mean, if he sees you like circling in a in certain way, he can strike. He can attack the space there. He has good timing with counters, especially when. When the shorter fighters have to close in, uh, pretty decent with the check hook, uh, uh, the right hand, and also can counter with leg kicks in the entries. Uh, one of the problems he has is that his shin is up in the air like all the time. He doesn't like combinations very much because he's a lot of like going in and outside. He's not very comfortable in the pocket, and the defense can fall apart when he's put under pressure. I think he relies too much on space and backing up as defense, as I said, uh, but. But even there, like, he still has some semblance of cagecraft. Uh, he always looks to regain center of the cage when pressured, and usually scares people off with counters. But yeah, there's, like, where you can find, like, the, the weakness of his games is, like, being pressured or uh, putting on extended combinations, even though he's still dangerous there because he's very powerful. Nego Mariano, on the other hand, is, like, pretty stocky for the division, and he's, like, an all-rounder, a guy that... Uh, it doesn't excel at anything in particular, but he's pretty good at everything. Uh, the thing is that he gets hit pushing forwards, but he's very durable. He can pressure if he needs to, uh, grind against the cage. He's a decent wrestler. Uh, he has trips and single legs against the cage. That's uh, like from the body lock. He can he can hit like inside and outside trips. And then he can drop levels for a for a single leg. Uh, he actually has like pretty decent finishes for the single leg. And if he fails the takedowns, like he he can transitions into strikes. Well, the the best qualities are like the best toughness and durability, and that's what that's are like very good attributes to have when you're an all rounder fighter. I think uh, for the prediction of this fight, I think Olber will be the very dangerous early, like he's sharp out of the gate. And especially when he's like managing distance, he he will make uh, Nikolai have trouble there. But I think it's the low output and the the suspect gas tank there that will allow Nego Mariano to find the clinch, the takedowns. Uh, 
and just like push a pace in general. I think uh, Negumeru now gets, gets it done on the third round by knockout. We're moving on to Bantamweight 135. It's Julio Arce versus Montel Jackson. Pretty good fight. So Arce. Arce I could describe as a resourceful southpaw and he's all about like the one-two. Uh, I made a video about the the, the one-two of Julio Arce. You can check it out. Uh, it's on the Fight Side uh, YouTube channel. Uh, he mostly likes to like to jab and counter from the outside, but can he can move forwards if if he needs to. He's very aware defensively. He has good footwork, especially in exchanges. His his relative position to his opponent is pretty good. Uh, the gauge craft is decent, but he can be put against defense. He has. Pretty good defense and and looks like to circle and get away from there, but he's not very hard to push to defense. Uh, when he gets going, like the body shots, the the body shots and the head kicks, uh, like turn into very damaging weapons, and that's like the the best part of his game. Like when he finds like the the timing for counters, he gets the jab and the one two going, and then he starts add like uh, hooks to the body and the head kicks. He's also like super good at tracking people with the with the left hand. On the other hand we have Montel Jackson and like the thing about Montel Jackson that plays into every fight is that he has like huge hands. <laughs> He's super big for the division overall but he has enormous hands and in every like grappling exchange they make a difference like his grip is so strong uh, he breaks grips like from positions that people don't understand how uh, he gets risk control and people have a lot of trouble getting out of his risk control <laughs> but other than that he's like a very well-rounded fighter um, he applied like a steady low output and pressures behind that but he can also like sit back and counter especially with guys that need to like close the the huge distance that he set up uh, he also is like he also likes pretty good with the one two I would say that's uh, one thing that both guys have in common. Um, and the other thing is that uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure if related to the big hands, but he lands like very big shots from short spaces, both in the clinch and on the ground. Uh, when it comes to a prediction, I would say Jackson can crack, and his his well roundness can come into play. I mean, he's very big and can take the fight in a different place if he needs to. I mean, it doesn't he doesn't have the process to take the fight wherever he needs to, but but he's like he can work everywhere, and that can work into to his advantage. Uh, but still, I've seen Arce deal like with long fighters before. He fought uh, at one thirty five. He fought. Uh, Another southpaw because both Jackson and Arce southpaws. Uh, he fought uh, Andre Ewell, that is super big, and Andy Rosa at 145. Andy Rosa is like stupid big in the next division, and he KO'd him with a head kick. So I think the the thing with Arce is like he has the high output, he has better positioning, and the depth of his striking is superior. So I think uh, Arce wins by decision this one. It's a very good fight. We're moving up one division is Mike Trisano versus Soon Wo Choi at Featherweight 145. So Trisano uh, likes like to walk people down, like he pressures but without much volume. He has a pretty decent jab. Uh, he finds good spots for kicks and counters. Uh, his best counter, I would say, is the left hook. Uh, but the problem that he has is that he can be vulnerable, vulnerable during pocket exchanges. He can get uh, cogged. Uh, 
And he, he moves his health during combinations, but I don't think he's very aware. Uh, he punches pretty hard, so he can scare people away, but against someone that is like willing to stand in, on, in front of him. And yeah, and the output allows people to, to set him up. That's, I would say that's his big flaw, because so technically he's, he's pretty good. Uh, he stays pretty composed, uh, he puts combinations together, he's, I, I would say he's a thoughtful fighter that's looking to to find answers during the fight, so he's good, but he has a few flaws in, in those areas. Uh, Shoi is, uh, both these guys super tall, Shoi is longer than him, and the thing with Shoi is that he has like big power, like, uh, he's not a very like, his striking doesn't have a lot of depth, but you can tell like, uh, mechanically he's like super has very good mechanics. Um, he closes with combinations, especially he has a like for a sweeping left hook. Uh, uh, he also can, can like use a, a leaping left hook to close distance. Uh, he also he also is like very good tracking uh, people down with the with the rear straight when they're backing down, especially because he's so long. He surprised people, and the that straight punch is very good mechanically too, uh, better than the left hook. But the left hook is like his money shot. And also in the pocket, he's also very rubble, but he has like super sharp triggers. He just fires counters immediately. Uh, this should be a fun action fight. Trisano, I would say, is the more thoughtful striker of the two. But I think the the stand matchup doesn't favor him very well against like someone that is just as big as him and a, a bigger puncher. Especially because uh, Choi has like cleaner mechanics in the pocket. And we saw Trisano get caught with the left hook in his last fight against another tall guy. And Shoei is for sure, like, the bigger puncher here. Uh, but yeah, this should be good. If he goes long, we've seen Shoei fade in the past, so who knows. But as it is, I'm picking Shoei by knockout on the second round. We're moving on to strawweight. It's Carolina Kovalkiewicz versus Silvana Gomez Juarez. So we have Kovalkiewicz. Um, she... You know, she's always like attacking in combination, she's mobile, uh, fights at a high pace. She's pretty decent at finding like right, right hands in the pocket, she can double up with the, with the right hand. And she can also like stick and move with the jab, has like a, a very decent sense of distance with the jab, so she can make people, people miss after she hits the jab. Not very good at starting combinations with it though, though she, ha she has like a different jab from for when she wants to fight on the outside and when she wants to start combinations. I would say that's one thing that she could be better. Uh, she's surprisingly very strong in the clinch. Uh, I'm very good at finding like knees and elbows. She's good at framing and, fi and finding elbows. Um, she can land hard knees from core ties, from the body lock. And the ground and pound is also like pretty, pretty powerful for a top position. A uh, big problem with her is that the defense can be a, a bit suspect, especially when she's leading, like she doesn't move her head very well initially in combinations. Uh, sometimes she has like this preset combination and she can move her head, but usually like she stays in the middle and and despite she having a, a knife for counters, uh, the, the head is there for the taking. Uh, she also like can get predictable with her own timing and can be timed with like with same time counters like with uh, cross counter for example. Uh, Gomez Suarez is uh, fights very heavy on the lead foot. She likes to move around and like try to find leg kicks. Uh, but she's all about like the right hand because this girl can bang like she has huge power and pretty good timing with the right hands. Very dangerous. Uh, 
but she doesn't like pressure. Like, uh, she doesn't have a lot of tools. Like, you can tell she knows a bit of boxing. Like, she positions uh, herself like decently in exchanges to find the the right hand, and like she goes with the one two with the light kicks and and has timing. So she's very dangerous. Uh, but yeah, I mean. She is like a serious finishing threat, like few others on the weight class, uh, especially on the feet. And Carolina, we've seen like catch right hands in like basically every every fight. So the chance uh, for Gomez Suarez to capitalize there, it's it's going to be there for sure, especially early. But I think Carolina like looked super good on her last fight. She's always been very tough. I mean the, that knockout from Andrade. Um, I mean that. The window is there for Gomez Juarez to, to replicate that, but I wouldn't bet on that. Oh, uh, the thing is that Silvana, like, Silvana Gomez Juarez, like, falls apart under pressure, and Carolina has, like, very good cardio. Uh, she figures stuff out, she's well rounded. And I think, uh, and I think uh, if the fight goes long, like, Gomez Juarez will be too dependent on landing a, a singular big shot and Car Carolina will take over with pace. So I'm picking Carolina by decision on this one. Next fight is at lightweight. We had Otman Asaitar versus Matt Frivola. So Asaitar, it's very athletic. He has huge power. That's like his thing. <laughs> he finishes basically every fight. Um, he's pretty good at picking his spots. Um, He's very dangerous with the overhand. That's like his money shot. Uh, the other thing that like caught my eye, caught my eye is that he swings wildly in the clinch. Like you try to to grab like an underhook or a collar tie, he just starts punching like crazy. And he has he has hurt a lot of people there because he can generate a lot of power. Um, he can use his athleticism to generate scrambles if he needs to. And uh, I've seen him gas in basically the only. The only like fight lately that he had that went long, but he maintains composure pretty well, um, and, and he still like keeps being explosive and powerful late in the fight. But you can tell like the output and the defense like are the things that fail him when when he's tired. Frivola is another like well-rounded fighter. He's solid everywhere. Uh, the striking ha is a bit like disjointed, I would say, and the mechanics are a bit wonky. But he's decently athletic, he has power and has variety, so he can like find answers to problems even though he doesn't have like a great uh, a great process on the feet. The thing with Frivola is that he's like an insane scrambler. Uh, if you see his fight ever against uh, Arman Sarukian, he was getting out grappled, but it was very impressive the way he was like getting back up to his feet like time and time again uh, from very hard positions like He's very uh, powerful hips. He has good, good instincts to to control limbs, to push on the head and get back up. Uh, the thing with Frivola is that he has lapses when he's on the defense. Um, he's more sharp when he's attacking. Uh, but also, like he can be lured into having like a slow pace fight, even though like he has good conditioning and should use pace as a weapon more. I think the UFC have seen Frebola like being KO in the past and is looking to like hype up a Saitar here with another knockout. But I mean Frebola like has been hurt, but he has so much grit and toughness. And it's the experience for me. Like Asaitar has mostly had like super easy fights and every fight that has gone like 
has gotten tough against even like mid opposition has like kind of exposed him and his limitations. Uh, Asaitar has super good chance of catching Frebola early with a knockout, but I think Frebola it's going to to survive. Just put a pace and put the experience into play here. Uh, he's going he's going to to play the better round this one, and I think it's going to work. I pick it for Bola by decision. Next fight, it's at middleweight. It's Andre Pet Petroski versus Wellington Terman. Uh, so Petroski is a wrestler. He's a very athletic guy. Uh, on the feet as striker, he's I would describe as a limited southpaw, but he he has like big power. Uh, the thing that he likes to do is like leap in with the right hook or overhand left. He's a southpaw that uh, has a big preference for the overhand over the, the straight left. Uh, he has uh, pretty powerful kicks, but he doesn't have like setups for them. Uh, one thing that he does well is that, and maybe the reason that he likes the overhand over the straight left is that he can change the overhand to take down attempts. Uh, his level change is super quick. He has single legs or kind of like push people to the fence and finish double legs over there. Uh, he's very, very strong. On the ground is when things get interesting for Petrovsky, uh, because I like like his plan of wrestling rights and, and traditional PJJ positions. He has a lot of options there. So even when he can't control, he's never in a bad position, I would say, because he always has like uh, resets available. For example, if he's going for a, for a guillotine from the front headlock, he has options to not end up on his back. You very rarely see him on his back and he's very powerful getting back up. Uh, the strong front headlock, as I said, uh, very good. Uh, he can hit a lot of mad returns from there, uh, threatens with the guillotine all the time. Uh, one, one problem that I would say for Petrovsky is that he doesn't focus very much on ground and pound and he should because I said uh, the control, especially from like unorthodox positions like wrestling rights, uh, uh, it's very good. And uh, the submission finishes like could have more polish too because he goes for a lot of shocks, shocks, and you can tell like he doesn't have like all the drilling necessary to secure those. I mean, he's still a submission threat, obviously, but but he could get better in that area. Uh, Turman, and what makes this fight interesting is that he's a BJB black belt and pretty decent one. Uh, on the feet, he's like a serviceable striker. A striker and wrestler, uh, but the thing with Turman is that he's the mo uh, he's most dangerous if he gets like to your back. He's pretty good at the rear naked choke, and he likes he's pretty decent at getting to the back on the feet. Uh, like if he gets underhooks against the fence, he's probably going to swing back to your back, and then he can attempt like trips or just like taking your back on the feet. Uh, on the ground, the, the submission defense is very solid, and he's dangerous with with the back takes, as I said, and he he has like arm bars from the guard. But but the one problem that he has is that he he defaults to the guard all the time when he, he's on the ground. That that's like his safe space, and I wouldn't I wouldn't say that that's the best place to be in MMA. Uh, he fights pretty well, tired, um, and I like that he stays like pretty. Pretty focused, like with the one, the two, and the three on the feet. Uh, the weird, like spinning kick here and there. That that it's not very good, but but I like that. Uh, even though he's not like a great boxer, he still is like minimalistic, and that works. I, I would say. 
uh, of the two, like I would say Thurman is the better boxer, but Petrovsky is by far like quicker, and he's like the bigger hitter too. And the thing with Petrovsky is like him being the wrestler in this matchup, he's the one that can define where the fight takes place. Uh, what made me they like take the decision here is that Thurman can be controlled and relied on on selling out on the ground, on the guard, as I would say, and, and he needs, like, time to attempt, like, uh, submissions or sweeps. Like, he's, like, a very methodical BGJ player. Um, Petrovsky is not a guy that likes to, like, sit in guard. He's constantly looking, like, to pass guard, to get to rights, to to use, like, dynamic, like, half guard, or from the back take, like, just uh, setting both hooks in one leg. He likes like those kind of positions, and he's very dynamic. He's always moving, and I think that doesn't doesn't bode too well for the for the style of grappling that Torma has. So I think uh, Petrovsky like is going to to use the power advantage of the feed and take the fight down, and Torma eventually like won't have many answers on the feed despite being a, a good jiu-jitsu player. Is Petrovsky by unanimous decision on this one? We're going back to the girls. It's a flyweight bout between Erin Blanchfield and Molly McCann. So Blanchfield, um, she's southpaw. She's pretty aggressive. Uh, I I would say the defense is the thing that could use some work here because she conceptually she's like pretty good. I would say she has good ideas and is decently athletic, but she doesn't have like a very deep like defensive process still. She's mostly about like the initial head movement of her strike and then like backing up from the pocket. Uh, but uh, when she's allowed to pressure, like she has pretty good transitions from striking to wrestling, and that's where what makes her interesting uh, because she ha- she has like a pretty decent uh, arsenal of takedowns. Uh, the double leg against the cage, especially when when she draws the the high guard. Um, he has like a change up with the single leg and the high crotch. Uh, she can trip from the high crotch. She can run the pipe on the single leg. And uh, she also has like outside and inside trips from body lock. So, so yeah, I mean, it's not like she's like like an actual wrestler, but but her language is pretty good, especially especially when she puts together like pretty good entries thanks to the to the to the connections that she has between the striking and grappling. Uh, the other thing that bells her a lot is that when she's pressured, like she has uh, reactive takedowns too. She can find the clinch and go for quick trips, or can like uh, uh, change levels into double double legs. And I've seen her like just grab a wizard and like uh, shoot a wizard kick immediately when when someone is like uh, rushing into her. Uh, and on the f- on the ground, once on the ground, it's like the place where she. She actually shines because she's a very dominant grappler. I like that she uh, has a, like a very MMA game in, on the ground. Like she has a very, very decent balance between the control, uh, advancing position, and the submission threats. And she's actually like very good at finding submission threats in most positions. So she's a very complete grappler. McCann, on the other hand, Molly, she's like a stocky boxer. Uh, and she has some like ber- versatility to her game. She can fight going forwards and like she's more about like well, pace than pressure, I would say. But she also like can sit back on, on neutral space, like not necessarily like out fighting, but just like staying in neutral. 
Um, and the thing is that she has like tricks from both stances. She likes like she has from especially from salt power some tricky like switches and shifts. I like that she jabs the body and then comes after with combinations. She's pretty good in the pocket. She has good awareness. And the thing is that she, like she can maintain the pop and the pace through all the fight. And as the fight goes on, like she figures out what combinations to land cleaner and cleaner punches. So, so yeah, uh, I think McCann. I, I'm not sure if if the UFC is looking to get Blanchfield a win here. Uh, because I mean, I think McCann is going to be a handful for her. Uh, especially the striking, I think McCann has an advantage here. Oh, Blanchfield, uh, as I said, it's no, no slouch, but I think McCann is more comfortable, especially in the pocket. And the first layer of takedown defense by Molly is pretty solid too. Like, she's pretty good at, at catching like underhooks, whistles, and then circling uh, while framing with the other hand. I think Erin uh, will have to play into her strengths to win this one. Uh, especially the kicks, she's a pretty decent kicker, didn't mention that before. And the transitions into takedowns. I think Molly has, as I said, like good first layer of defense. But w when we've seen like people chain uh, takedowns attempts, we've seen like Molly on the ground. Uh, Molly can grapple a little bit, but I think Blanchfield is a lot better there. Uh, so I think uh, if she like uh, can keep up with the with Molly's pace early, use a lot of kicks, then she can find the transitions from takedowns and take take over the fight from there. Uh, Blanchfield by unanimous decision is my pick. Then we're moving to 205, light heavyweight. It's former uh, title fight contender Dominic Reyes versus Ryan Span. So Span, um, I don't know what to make about Ryan Span really. He's super big. He's bigger than, uh, like, like frame-wise, he's bigger than a lot of heavyweights. Uh, he's very long too. He has a, a pretty good one too. I would say that's that's like his thing. Uh, he's pretty urgent about uh, getting up when taken down. Um, in the pocket, he's like pretty bad. I would say like he doesn't have like a pocket boxing uh, process. But the thing is that he's so big. He's decent. Uh, he's athletic. He can he can hit very hard. He can. In this division, he can put anyone out, especially except like the very good guys. Uh, Dominic, on the other hand, uh, it's like very long too. I think Span is taller than him, and that should like maybe is a surprise to him. But Reyes is all about the straight left. He's like that's like his money punch. He's very good with it. He can like set it up on the on the lead. He can counter when when people have to rush in on him, and he defaults to it all the time. It's a very good punch, to be honest. He also has like powerful rear kicks. Uh, he can go to the body and to the head with the with the left leg, and he also like has a serviceable like right hook that adds variety and can help him finding setups for the left hand. He has decent footwork when looking to land shots. Like he positions himself well before exchanges, but the defense can fall apart during during like longer phone boot battles. Uh, but but even then, like he keeps throwing with with power. He's a pretty decent wrestler, and very hard to hold down. Like he, especially if you see like fights like against John Jones and even like against Deary when he was like very hurt. He's always looking to to find his spot, like to explode, and then like just totally get back to his feet. He's very good at that. Uh, the thing about this fight is that we don't know where Dominic Reyes is at mentally. Um, 
he's coming off two knockout losses. Uh, he looked pretty good on the Giri one. Uh, the against Blahovic, he didn't look as good, but uh, he took a, a pretty long break. So the other thing is that if he's like fine, but what about the ring rust? Uh, but those are the questions. But even then, I mean, I've I've never seen a spam beat someone as good as this. Yeah, and and his his weakness just like just plays straight into Reyes' strengths, like getting hit in the pocket, but like being unaware, um, being surprised with strikes that he doesn't see coming. Uh, I think Span is obviously big and powerful, athletic. He can knock out Reyes. He said he's having a bad day, but I cannot count on Reyes having a bad day. I think Reyes by knockout on the first round is is my pick. And then we're moving on to the last fight on the preliminary card. And this one is a very good one. We have Henato Moicano versus Brad Riddell. Three rounds in the lightweight division. So Moicano, uh, he's long and he fights long. He has a very good jab and puts very good combinations of all the straight punches when he needs to. Uh, he's also like good at using the jab to drop counters and then counter the counter. He tracks retreating opponents with the uh, with the rear straight from both stances. He's also very good at punishing with leg kicks when fighters are are moving back. I like the uppercuts on the counter. Uh, like he can like slip into uppercuts, and he can also like when during a combination like a frame or grab a loose tie and uppercut from there. The leg kicks are very good from both stances. Uh, not not only against retreating opponents, he's good at finding them like naked out in out in the wild, and uh, he kicks like outside and inside from both legs. Uh, the first layer of head movement is decent, but uh, he always ha like have troubles with hooks in the pocket. That's like his big problem. He's been surprised by quick hookers in the in the past. Uh, he has he had threats with the level changes, especially with the single leg. The single leg is pretty decent, uh, but I would say the his stronger takedowns are uh, trips from body lock. Like he has a very strong body lock, and he knows how to manipulate weight there and fight trips. Uh, and one once in the ground, like Volcano is very very good. Um, the top control is very heavy. Uh, he has good passing. And his specialty is like, uh, like either catching guys when they're trying to get up from half guard, or just get to mount and force them to turn around. And then the rear naked choke is like the money shot for Mercano. He's very, very good at finishing the rear naked choke. And it's like not only the squeeze; he's very good at fighting hands, at fighting the rear naked choke and baiting with one hand, changing to the other. So yeah, I mean he's elite there. And the other, uh, on the other corner, we had Brad Riddell. Uh, Riddell is more like an exchange kickboxer. He likes to like sit body in neutral space, and then he waits to time counters or or time his opponent's steps, uh, especially with the leg kicks. Like he can time if you are like a bouncy fighter, he he will time your bounces with hard leg kicks, and then he just like feints and waits for counter opportunities. But when when he sees like a, a window for for countering, he counters in combination. That's I would say one of his best qualities. Um, one of his good like uh, combi one of his best combinations is the cross counter into the left hook. 
And he can also like slip into hooks to the body. He's very good at that too. And then come upstairs with the right hand. I, I love those combinations. And, and if you're retreating from those combinations, he can trade those with, with leg kicks. That is something that both fighters have in common in this one. Uh, when it comes to grappling, Riddell has very, very strong hips and decent uh, instincts when it comes to wrestling. Uh, he's good at like, he's all about like catching a wizard or an underhook. And then like a sprawl hard, pivot, uh, circle out of the takedown attempts. Uh, but one big problem, especially for this matchup, is that he can get he can give up his back when he's getting up, especially if they can take him down like against the cage. Like you have a you you grab a half guard. He's going to walk walk like exposing his back, so he's gotta be like uh, very very careful with that. Other than that, he has good patience on the clinch. Uh, people try to stall him, but he just stays composed, positioning his head well there, and waits for opportunities to frame and pivot. So, I think Riddell will probably get in trouble getting up from scrambles here. Moicano is too dangerous for top position. His tendency to turn around against the cage when getting up can mean the end. It's simple as that. But on the other hand, Riddell has the layered combinations, especially attacking all three levels that we've seen like being in trouble for Moicano in the past is the, is the thing that cause him trouble against Jose Aldo versus Fisiev versus uh, Dos Anjos. And and that's the thing that he can he has the depth to he has the depth and the power to extend combinations past like Moicano's point of comfort. And and I think that's where he will win the fight. To be honest, this fight is like a coin toss. Uh, both guys have like weakness in the in the area of of expertise of the other fighter, but I think I'm picking Riddell on this one to survive a few scares and rack up more damage for a unanimous decision. Guys, real quick before moving on to the main card, I want to announce very gladly that support for the fight side is brought to you by our sponsor Manscaped, who is the best in men's belows the waist grooming. The products are precision engineered tools for your balls. Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. If you ever had a bad experience shaving your balls, say goodbye to that. Because in the Performance Package 4.0, it comes with a weed whacker for ear and nose hair, has a crop preserver ball deodorant, a crop reviver toner, it has the Performance Boxer briefs that are amazing, and the most important, it has the Lone Mower 4.0 trimmer. And with that, like, just say goodbye to pain. It is waterproof, it has uh, a flashlight, so I mean, it's a win-win. So we have a very good opportunity for you because you can get 20% off and free shipping for the whole world with our code, the fight site at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code, the fight site. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools from the job with Manscaped. And with that, we move to the main card. And the opener for our main card is a lightweight bout between Dan Hooker and Claudio Pueyes. Pueyes is a stiff southpaw defeat. He kicks very hard with the rear leg. He can also surprise with a with a switch kick with the right with the right leg. Uh, he's decent at playing left hands of the of the rear kicks, and he's very aggressive. Uh, not much on the way of defense other than backing up of exchanges though. Uh, he's, he also like he used to like a static guard a lot. He 
his thing is that he takes shots from like super far, like pretty bad shots, but it's all about generating scrambles or getting to the clinch. Uh, on the clinch, he has pretty decent takedowns, uh, especially if he gets like a full body lock. Uh, he's not like very good at, defend, at defending takedowns out in the open, but once it hits the mat, he's a pretty decent defensive wrestler there. Like he can, he can use cradles, he can hit switches. He's pretty competent. Uh, his problem is like the the initial shots that puts him on his ass. I mean, I think he's content to play it on the on the ground. Uh, but he can be like put like flat out on on full guard if he if you surprise him with the uh, with the initial shot. Uh, Poyer's whole gimmick is he's all about leg locks, especially nevers. Uh, he's very dangerous in transitions, especially uh, from from guard when you're looking to pass. Or here is generating movement. He's spinning around the ground. He can find your legs. He's very good at finishing those. Uh, I mean, he has like more nevers than anyone. Um, he's pretty good at, at taking the back uh, when he's on the on top position and from headlock too. But but the finishes the finishes often come with the, with the knee bar that are the, his most dangerous. Um, if he can't find the, the submission, he's a, a pretty solid control control grappler, so he can stay on top. Uh, his problem is like generating a, a good uh, like a wrestling scramble that favors him. For fuck's sake, man! <laughs> on the other hand, we have Hooker. Uh, Hooker's very long, like players long. Hooker's longer, uh, and he strikes pretty long. Uh, very hard leg kicks that are like a step off of Hooker, especially to the cuff. Uh, he punches well in combination, goes to the body very often, and he's very dangerous with knees on the counter on the lead. Like he can like leap in with a lead, or if you're trying to close the distance against him, he can just just lift up that knee and put you out. Uh, Hooker doesn't move his head very well, but but he's okay at using a high guard and framing and using his length to prevent exchanges. That doesn't favor him. Uh, on the pocket, like he doesn't move his head either. He's therefore taking, but he throws big hooks and he has very power. And he also like can surprise with the knee in the pocket too. Um, he has pretty decent like single leg double leg change up. Um, so he has a little bit of change wrestling going on, and he has good timing for changing levels despite being so tall. Uh, especially if he boosts you against the fence, he can most often like finish takedowns. Uh, on the ground, uh, he has very big ground pound. Like he hits very hard, especially if you allow him to posture up. And he's also like good with back takes and from the front headlock. Like he has a nasty guillotine. So for this fight, I think the question is, uh, where where's Hooker at? Because, and I think other than that ill advice drop to one forty five, he has looked fine. Only losing to elite fighters. Uh, I mean. At 145, he lost to Arnold Allen, and that's a good fighter, but he didn't look fine at all. But I, I think if he can like go back to look like he used to at 155, and the sheen and the timing are still there, he should have like big advantage. He, he's a very bad matchup for Poyas. Like, Poyas needs to count on being like, here like the younger, more powerful guy, and I'm not sure he can count on that. Uh, I mean, if he's missing a step, like, Poyas can complicate him with the big kicks, and he's so fast on the ground that he can just grab a leg and take it home. But I don't know, man. I, I have to see Hooker look bad at 155 before taking that decision. So, I think Hooker wins a decision on this one. 
tentatively because we don't know, but yeah, if I have to, I'm going with Hooker on this one. And then we move to Bantamweight. And it's a farewell fight for Frankie the Answer Edgar, who fights uh, Chris Gutierrez. So interesting. And good fight too. So Edgar, we all know, he's a mobile wrestler boxer. He can move the outside, he can push forward if he needs to. Uh, he's flexible in that way. Uh, Frank is all about like putting fast combinations together, looks to exit in an angle. He's always stays, like moving, feigning. Uh, he's very good at mixing the wrestling with the, the with the striking threats. That's like his bread and butter. His uh, strike of missile single legs. He used the overhand to to disguise his signature knee tap. He, if you allow uh, Frankie to penetrate into shots, he's a very good chain wrestler. He has the knee taps, the single legs, double legs. Uh, but despite the, the good setups, uh, I think you can deny. Frankie Edgar like initial shots, especially now at his at this age at one thirty-five. Um, but if you deny the takedown, like he can bail to resume striking of the attempts, he's very good at that. Uh, once on the ground, he's very heavy from top position, especially if you allow him to to like half guard. He's very heavy, has big ground powder, especially with elbows. Uh, very like solid con controlling grappler, um, but has has had trouble controlling long people before. Gutierrez, uh, also someone that cannot fight. I mean, he defaults to outfighting even more than Frankie, and I think he will in this fight too. Uh, the foundation of his style is all about jab and the very hard low kicks. There are what I assume is what people associate Gutierrez with. Uh, he can hit uh, leg kicks from both stances, to the inside, to the outside, to both legs. He's very versatile with that. Um, he hits very hard, good timing. Uh, on the outside, he has good movement. He has like very decent like change of directions. Um, he can get stuck against the cage though. I mean, he he circles, but he stays like too close to the cage if you pressure hard enough. Um, he has like very solid body punching and front kicks, uh, especially front kicks to the knee that are very good at uh, aiding with the takedown defense. But but yeah, I mean that's that's basic basically it. Uh, I think, frankly, Frankie can probably find opportunities to wrestle here, either against the cage or if he times well uh, a kick. We've seen like how many Barcelos take good errors of kicks, uh, but he gotta make the most of the takedowns. I think to to win, because the thing here is that big kickers are usually bad news to all fighters. I mean, we've seen many times. We we just saw uh, not long ago uh, Martinez versus Swanson. Martinez being Gutierrez's main training partner, and Gutierrez has the tools to deny Edgar. I mean, if he plays his cards well, he can deny the initial entries. He has the tools. He has the footwork and the and the body punching, the the kicks to the knee to that. And Frankie hasn't been all that potent as a wrestler at one thirty five. Especially, he's not getting any younger. Uh, Gutierrez might drop the first round to top control, but I think the leg kicks will slow down Frankie, will make it harder to for him to to pursue the takedowns. And I think on the, on the feet, uh, this version of Frankie doesn't have uh, a very big, a very big, a very good shot. Uh, picking Gutierrez by knockout on the third round on this one. And uh, we're moving on to lightweight is the Diamond Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler. In a fight between lightweight veterans, first we have Dustin, southpaw boxer, a switch hitter, 
you know that. Very dexterous with both hands, like one of the best in the sport at putting combinations, meaningful combinations together that are dangerous from both sides. Uh, he has good eyes in the pocket, even if he can get out of position going in the pocket. Uh, he can be valid because of his ability to, to punch from effectively when he's out position. Uh, the ability to put combos together means he wins most of the prolonged exchanges because he's so hard and uh, has good awareness in the pocket. Even even when he gets like out of position, he get he can readjust and and use his bigger power to to regain advantage. Uh, as he did like against Max Holloway, for example, he did in exchanges against uh, Charles Oliveira too. Um, he's pretty good at countering with the right hook, especially because Dustin is a, a right-handed southpaw. And he can like find the check hook as Conor McGregor saw, or he can track like retreating opponents, uh, like Charles Oliveira found out. Uh, the sneaky left hand too, like the straight left is not very beautiful mechanically, but but zero wind up is, can be very very surprising. Um, he's very stiff, uh, stiff, but he's a very hard kicker, and the cardio and endurance, I think at this point cannot really be questioned. I mean. On the other hand, we have Chandler, impressive explosive wrestler boxer, leaps in and out of range, looking to set up the big overhand, but can also find, finish combinations with, the, with his dangerous left hook. He uses the jab to facilitate entries and can leave, but can leave him exposed because the thing with Chandler is that he doesn't have a lot going on about defense other than controlling exchanges with his in and out movement. Uh, he doesn't use a high guard. He, uh, the the head movement is too reactive, I would say. But the thing with Chandler is that he's a very explosive wrestler and plays very well off the overhand and level chain change up. So and from top position, like he can stay very heavy on top and land like safe, steady ground pound and you allow him to posture up and then huge shots start to pop off. It's very hard to tell where both fighters are in their careers right now. Uh, durability and cardio seem to be on Dustin's side, I would say, but Chandler, I would say, has retained better his athletic capabilities, uh, especially the speed. I think uh, Dustin is clearly the most resourceful striker here, has the tool to exploit most of Chandler's habits on the feet, especially the retreats with the right hook. Um, he's the better pocket boxer too, has better defense, uh, but I'm not sure Dustin will work well. Uh, with the wrestling threat of Chandler, with the speed uh, of the takedowns, and if he starts getting concerned about the takedowns, he can get hit with a big overhand, or if he gets like too too into his like uh, shoulder rolling high guard, uh, Chandler will fight the takedowns, and that's what makes me nervous here. Uh, I think Chandler probably wrestles him when he finds the opportunities, and especially being this this fight being three rounds, I think it's more place right into Chandler's hands uh, because even if he gasses he has enough time to just win the fight. I think uh, Chandler by unanimous decision is the pick here for me. And with that we move to the co-main event and it's for the strawweight championship. Five rounds, 115 pounds, Carlos Barça the champion defense against Zhang Weili. So Sparsa is all about uh, the single legs and chaining attempts from there. Uh, the level change is very quick. It's very quick, and she has a lot of finishes. She can like like uh, grab the leg, turn into the double leg. She has high crotches. Uh, 
very good at running the pipe, uh, tripping when she has control of one leg, and and has like actual good low singles finishes if she if she needs to, and she can like take bad shots here and there. It's not out of her realm. Um, the striking is serviceable, especially if she gets the wrestling going, she gets a lot better, but. But if you stalk her on long, on long range, she starts looking desperate. And even though she has a lot of resources to finish takedowns, still like bad shots are bad shots. Uh, on the ground, she can be self or guard. Uh, uh, but she can just stay on, on top position from guard and win the rounds from there. But if you if you allow her, like, if you give her the chance to transition and get like to crucifix to half guard, um, she's a lot more dangerous from those positions. She has. A good elbows, and if she finds the back, like the Rianike choke is her, is her go-to finishing move. Wei Li, on the other hand, ridiculous athlete. Uh, she's kind of stiff on the feet, but and I feel like she throws mostly like predetermined combinations, and can can be timed if you if she gets predictable. Uh, the thing with Wei Li is that, as I said, like very good athlete, very strong in the clinch, and really strong. Uh, and the wrestling is getting better, like. But but she's still like, is too willing to wrestle at times and has lapses, and I think that could be troublesome against a more experienced wrestler in Sparta. So obviously this fight comes down to the to the ability of Carla to wrestle Yang Wei Li. Uh, Wei Li's wrestling has shown good and bad things in her last two fights against Rose and Joanna. But I think she got a bit better between between Rose and Joanna, even though she still made a few mistakes against Joanna. Uh, the problem for Carla here is that she won't get the entries that Rose had because Rose had success going for takedowns, but Rose is a big puncher, uh, got to operate more comfortable for a, for a closer space. She's taller too. I think Rose will be forced to take a lot of bad entries. I think uh, the whole camp of Yang Wei Li will be revolved around defending uh, the wrestling, I think. so. I, this is like making uh, an uninformed prediction in a way, but I'm expecting like Willie to come well prepared for the matchup uh, because she uh, Carla doesn't offer like the all the threats that Rose did. Um, still, Carla might be like well suited because he's short and and maybe they like exchange from even closer and. Uh, maybe Carla has can show like better control than in the past because a uh, weight is not as long as some of the other fighters that could get up from under her. Even there, even there, I expect Shang physicality and ability to fight everywhere to be too much to overcome for Carla. I'm picking Weili to regain the title, unanimous decision. And with that, we are we are here to the main event, a rematch to close the trilogy. Uh, that started in kickboxing, as most of you, I'm sure, already know, is Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira. So, so yeah, I mean, let's talk about this one. Uh, I won't describe uh, both fighters. I think it's better to talk about like third both fights and how MMA has changed the games. So, despite the results on paper of the previous kickboxing bouts. I think it's clear that EC is like a problematic matchup for Pereira. The lighter volume uh, throws Pereira often, and the length parity seemed to play more into EC's hand. I think Pereira looked more uncomfortable with fighting someone equally long. 
The straight shots and framing from Alessandra were helpful in denying Pereira big shots uh, from the places that Pereira like. Pereira is usually like, oh, from here I can leave my left hook, but Easy is just as long as him, so sometimes those shots weren't there. He swung a lot to the air. But that said, Pereira is still well, like, well equipped to land the big shot that he needs to put Easy out, as he showed in the second fight. And that's the like the big equalizer here. Even though I just said that the size parity seemed to bother Pereira more, it still plays like both ways. Easy is still like used to being the longer guy. And Pereira was still able to sneak past uh, Adesanya's frames and land solid hands in both fights. So that's one thing to, to watch out for. Uh, when it comes to effect to the smaller gloves, it can also like go both ways. I would say Easy is le less reliant on the high guard. But he was still in kickboxing like pretty good at covering his body with the big gloves. And, and frames, I would say, are also like harder to get past with the big glove because there's like just more stuff in between you and the fighter. Um, uh, Pereira is more reliant on a high guard than Easy, but he's pretty decent at shoulder rolling, and that's one thing that has allowed him to transition into MMA. Uh, especially because he like covers up a lot, but he's very good at moving and uh, at hiding behind his shoulder and rolling with the punches. I think Adesanya will have an easier time sneaking pot shots, but he will be a greater risk of eating a bomb from Pereira with the with the smaller margins that the MMA gloves present. And then you have the X factor of this being an MMA fight, and I think uh, it seems like Easy is superior both in the clinch and in grappling, and that could come into play if anything gets dicey for him. I wouldn't expect Easy to show up in a wrestling singlet here, but also I wouldn't be surprised to say to see him take advantage of a trip in the clinch to get top position, for example. Pereira is obviously an interesting challenger, being someone that can strike toe to toe with Alessandra with similar proportions, but Alessandra has shown to be the most consistent moment winner uh, between both fights, despite being technically 0-2 against him. I'd say he won the first fight. But yeah, I mean, uh, I think the concept of MMA, like, just tips the balance in Adesanya's favor. Uh, final pick here is Adesanya by unanimous decision. And that's it for all the fights. Uh, I don't know how long it took me. But yeah, I mean, pretty good. Pretty good pay-per-view, to be honest. Uh, so if you want fights on the prelims to look out for... I think the opener, uh, despite being like heavyweight, could be surprisingly action-packed, if not uh, very very thoughtful. Uh, Julio Arce is always fun, uh, Monta Jackson is uh, an interesting challenge for him. Matrisano versus Sun Wusho is going to be a banger, I'm pretty sure about that. And... Um, yeah. Ah, and of course, uh, Moicano versus Riddell, that is the... Like the the main event of the prelims, it's going to be an absolute f good fight. So there's that. Uh, pretty good pay per view. We talk about every fight as that's what you're here for. Or remember to support us on Patreon. You can get access to to a lot of stuff, uh, especially our Discord server and exclusive videos that we cannot show every anywhere else so yeah uh thank you guys for listening hope you guys enjoyed take care see ya
in the next pay-per-view.